We're going to start a series that we've done every year, probably the past six or seven years now, called You Ask For It. And if you're new, um, this series kind of comes out of a survey we do on Easter Sunday. And we do it on Easter Sundays because that's when you guys all come to church. So we can all get you at the same time. And we ask questions. What are things you're struggling with? What are some topics you want to talk about? What are some issues you need help with? And uh, we rank them and then look through them. And then those the topics we talk about over the next few weeks. Today, we're actually going to talk about the number one issue. And as I was leaving this morning, Melanie said something to me that really got me thinking. And that this is, this is y'all's number one issue now. And it was several hundred people who responded to the, the survey. And the, this issue of forgiveness was the number one issue. And here's the crazy thing. You think about forgiveness is central and core to the gospel. Yet we as a group, as a people, are saying we struggle with it. I think that's the reason that the devil's after us so much with it, because it's so foundational to what Jesus did for us. We talk about, and it says a lot about the health of our relationships, the health of our, um, the strength of our relationships. We talked about relationships last week. That the most dangerous place you can live is a place called All About Me. Because nobody else is in your life. That forgiveness actually jumped. I went back and looked. In the last four years, it was number four, five, six. And I can't tell you what happened. Whether it's a new group of people, the growth we've had and brought new people in. But it shifted to number one. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs that laughter can conceal a heavy heart. You can laugh off a lot of stuff. We talked about this last week too, the, the church mask. That you can feel and act one way on the way to church or even on the way to maybe your small group or grow group. And then when you hit the door, you put the mask on. And you were screaming and telling your kids how terrible they were before you pulled onto the parking lot. But when you pull in, it's, hey brother, hey sister, love your dress, their hair looks wonderful. And we get all smiley and nice and religious. But what it's doing, the Bible says, it covers a heavy heart. But when the laughter goes away, that unforgiveness, that that mess in your heart is is still there. You see, the world has it wrong. And the most of of us, even, I think, think about forgiveness wrong or incorrectly. And it's used by the devil to really work against everything that we stand for here. Everything we teach here in our one step is that we want you to take one step from where you are, where? One step closer to where God wants you to be. And that can't happen if your relationships are falling apart. The devil makes it very difficult. See, we have this idea that I have a right. I have a right to hold on to my anger, to my unforgiveness. And I'll even be more specific. There's nothing, the Bible doesn't say that anger's wrong. God got angry when the people of Israel screw up, when he got angry. The Bible says he was angered with them. The difference is when the anger lingers overnight and manifests into this unforgiveness. Here's another thing we say. We say, it's my right. I have to demand an apology. And we say to people, you what? You owe me. Especially in our generations now, there are large segments of our, gener- our maybe the generation really, that says, well, you owe me. As parents, there's generations of kids looking at their parents and going, you owe me this. You owe me a car. You owe me 
the iPhone. You owe me. And I was, I was more than, I was excited to be able to, to bless Mabel, my 14-year-old, with her phone, her first, when she got her first phone. But I made it clear, like, I don't owe you anything. This is a gift because I'm concerned about you and protection and safety. And, you know, I realize the other stuff that goes with a phone, but I didn't owe her that. So experts, we've become experts at hiding hurt. Some, and honestly, probably some really deep, deep wounds. I know some of your stories, and there are some of you that have been through stuff that I can only cognitively think through. I can't really put myself in your position because I haven't been there. It's, I can only imagine what it feels like. And then there's some of us that are holding on to stuff. And I'm just going to be honest. Can I tell you the truth today? Okay, I'll lie to you. <clears throat> now, the truth is, and I think we would be honest if we're honest, the truth is we hold on some, to some pretty petty stuff, some childish stuff that's not making a difference in our lives at all, but we feel we, it's owed to us. We, we hold on to it. We carry this unforgiveness, this mess around, and most of the time we don't realize that the devil's having a field day with us. He's keeping us at odds with people in our lives, whether it be your boss, your family, people at church. I had a list not too long ago that a friend sent me of like the top 20 reasons that churches actually split. And you read through about 10 of the 20, they don't even have to do with the Bible. They have to do with baby childish stuff, like color of carpet and color of walls and how hot or cold or, and it's just, it's, it's stuff that the devil just beats us over the head with. But I want you to look, and we focus. Here's the other thing we do. We focus on those who hurt us. Why? So we can make sure it doesn't happen again. We focus on other people, not on ourselves. But look what Paul writes. This is in 2 Corinthians. Paul writes this, that when you, when you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority. And I do it for what? For your benefit. He goes on to say, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we're familiar with his evil schemes. See, Paul's saying, listen, y'all need to pay attention because the devil's outsmarting you. He's keeping us all wrapped up in unforgiveness and hate and, and just bitterness and all these things that just weigh us down. And he keeps us fooled. My hope today is to give you some things to do, but before I do, I want to kind of open up what is a, what I call the fantasy world of fantasy land of unforgiveness. It's just it's it's not real, and the devil thinks the devil thinks if he keeps us believing these truths, which is actually he's correct. If the devil keeps us believing what I'm about to tell you, you won't find unforgiveness. You won't be able to. It's gonna it's gonna be the weight on your life. But the first one is this: that if no one sees my unforgiveness. It doesn't exist. In other words, if I mask it or I fake it, oh, and continually in my head I'm thinking, well, they don't know I'm upset. They don't know I'm holding it against them. Therefore, it doesn't exist. That's not true. That's what becomes the pressure cooker. And there's, there's even parts of a... Somebody sent me a, a video of a lady that was... Canning. I don't know if, you, if you've ever canned in a pressure cooker. And she must have been canning tomatoes. And 
why, and again, why people video themselves canning tomatoes is beyond me. So she's got a camera set up and she's like doing her Instagram influencer thing, talking about how awesome canning is and the stove is behind her. And the longer she talked, you can see this thing start shaking. And then I don't know what failed, but it, it went boom and just red, went all over the ceiling. See, a lot of us live our lives that way, thinking we've hidden it. She didn't even know it was behind her. She thought everything was good. And then all of a sudden, bam, it blew up. And a lot of us live our lives that way, not knowing why we blew up. But when you blew up, because the pressure, you thought it was hidden and nobody could see it, but it was still there. That hiding it and masking it, making it a secret didn't, didn't help any. Something's eventually going to fail. And the devil, actually, I think, I'll show you this verse in a minute. The devil, the Bible talks about Jesus, that when Jesus was tempted, the devil came to him off and on. And he would come back and he'd go away. He'd come back and he'd go away. Why? Because he was looking for an opportune time. The devil knows what we're carrying and knows at the right time I'm going to push this button and it's going to cause your pressure cooker to go. You hurt your life, you hurt other people's lives, and he waits for this opportune time. Look, this is what Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 4. It says, when the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity. See, we get this false sense that I've won, I've conquered this, I'm, they don't know that I still hate them and we can just w move along. And the truth is, no, you need to forgive, not for their sake, for yours. The next part of this fantasy of unforgiveness is this idea that mo and most people think this way, that forgiveness takes two people. That's not really correct. Forgiveness requires... This is fantasy that forgiveness requires someone to accept my forgiveness. Because that's the way we're, the world tells us. If I need to forgive Mark, and I say, Mark, I forgive you, and he's just like, so? I didn't do anything to you. Then in the world tells us that somehow my unforgiveness is now, my forgiveness, sorry, is now invalid, right? He didn't receive it, and therefore it just falls flat on the floor. See, that's, that's not the way it goes. That we're told that you can't forgive somebody if they don't cooperate. Because the truth is this, that forgiveness is a one-player game. We know that because Jesus, said, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's, when he's talking about the Lord's Prayer, and we pray, and forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. We're asking God to forgive us and he's at the same time saying, you need to forgive those who've sinned against you. It doesn't say that you, don't, you forgive them when they ask you for forgiveness. It says you forgive them. That Jesus actually said, hey, I'm, I'm forgiving you before you were even born. The next part of this fantasy thing is this fantasy that forgiveness requires reconciliation. That if I forgive you, that means now we've we've become best buddies again. And I say this because I've taught a lot over the years about, and had questions about, well, what if, it, what if you're in this, a bad relationship? What if it's an abusive relationship, verbally or if I'm physically? You need to understand this. Forgiveness is not void of wisdom. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is not void of wisdom. You don't advise somebody who's been in of abusive relationship to go back into it. 
but you still advise them they have to still forgive. Why? Because forgiveness is a one-player game. Now, can God bring reconciliation and heal relationships? Yes. And I think God prefers that, but there's times when people aren't going to listen. When people aren't going to follow him, no matter how much you want it, they don't. Whether they don't see it, whether they don't believe it, they don't. That forgiveness is not void of wisdom. You don't go back into it. That forgiveness is this. It's not going for more. But it is saying, I forgive you, and you're no longer going to hold over me, whatever it is. There's this idea in, in... that the world teaches in unforgiveness. And you probably heard me say this before, but it's a bit like this. It's a bit, it's a bit like me setting myself on fire and expecting somebody else in the room to die from smoke inhalation. Yet my life is the one that's burning. My, I'm the one that's experiencing it. And we carry it around like I'm going to get that person because they're going to they're see this, you know, die from the smoke of my anger. And it's just not how it works. It's not true. And we've got lots of people living that way, wondering why life is hurting, why they can't find joy, why they can't find peace. It's because you're walking around setting yourself on fire, self-destructing, expecting it to affect somebody else. And let me let you in on the secret. You want a good secret? Nine times out of ten, no matter how angry you are, whatever the issue is, the other person doesn't even know that you're upset. They don't even know. Whether sometimes it's just an ignorance of uh, they made a mistake and they hurt you and didn't know it. Sometimes they intentionally hurt you, but they don't care, so they don't really think that you're holding something. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 6, don't turn your back on wisdom because she's going to protect you and she's going to guard you. That wisdom says don't go back into the situation, but the Bible does not say that, you, that means you can hold an unforgiveness, that you can hold on to that. Then you have what's called, what people will tell me, well, I can't forgive because I can't forget. Now, I, I believe that God, the way God graces us is that somehow he can, he brings grace over our lives, so even that when we remember things that happen to us, that anger doesn't well up in us. But sometimes that takes time. But it doesn't mean because, well, I can remember what he did to me, so I can't forgive this person. I remember what she did to me, and I can't forgive. Now, what it can be is maybe a gauge of how you're dealing with it, so that when you do think about it, you go, I'm still getting angry. I need, to, I need to let that go. And remember, it doesn't have to be recognized by the other person. It doesn't have to be acknowledged by the other person. But that even that when you remember it, forgiveness still has to take place. See, it's a one-player game, and the effects of carrying unforgiveness go broader than just you. I'll give it to you in the next one, that this fantasy world of unforgiveness that says, my unforgiveness. In other words, I can hold on to this, and it doesn't affect anybody else. Forgiveness is a one-player game, but holding on to unforgiveness is not because it affects everybody. It affects relationships. People carry them into relationships. We've counseled and we've counseled people through maybe a a marital issue and come to find out that they had brought something into the marriage issue 
that they had carried from another relationship. Well, this person hurt me, so I'm coming into this relationship, and I'm going to hold on to that unforgiveness. And they wonder why people in their lives stay angry with them. What's going on? It's because they're holding on to this unforgiveness, and it reaches everyone in your life. Your kids can, can pick up this. Your kids can sense, well, I can't like that person, or I can't show that person love, or I can't respond to that person because look at how mom and dad respond. It, does, it, it, it grows. Maybe you know this. Anybody know somebody that has taken on somebody else's offense? Like that person had nothing done to them. They weren't involved in the situation at all, and they are mad or more upset than the person it actually happened to. Church people do it all the time. It's called taking on offense. I'm going to be offended. Now, there's a difference between supporting somebody and taking on their offense. But we take it on. And the Bible actually talks about this bitterness and unforgiveness that infects people around us. I've seen it spread. But look what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, look after each other so none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And then he says, watch out. So when the Bible says, watch out, we should do what? Well, watch out. It's not a trick question. He's putting us there for a reason. He says, watch that no poisonous root grows up to trouble you and what? And corrupting many. We have great examples of this in the South. Any of these vines, and there's umpteen number of species of vines, and you kill it here only to find out it's what? It's over there, and you kill it there. Well, now it's over there, and you kill it there. See, that's what unforgiveness does. That's why we believe, I believe this so much so that if you go through our One Step Connect class, which is kind of the, our membership on-ramp, we tell you, hey, if you've got unforgiveness and you need to let us help you talk about it, don't bring it with you because you don't want that root to come and spread. And so a lot of us will change relationships. We change Husbands, we change wives, we change friends, but we don't realize that we're just planting the same weed in the very thing that we thought was new. I, I don't know, I know I've got some, some friends who shall remain nameless Boltons um, <laughs> that, that are obsessed with Bahia grass, and they got good at it. If you want to find some lawns, I guarantee you, wherever they are, John and Chris, you go to their place, and I guarantee you, there's not a sprig of Bahia grass. They've attacked it from everything. They're going after it. But I laugh because I always tell them, well, I ride by at night and throw a handful of seeds out in your yard. Just to, and, it, and you can almost see, like, wait, is he serious? No, you're, you're joking, right? The next, the next day, they're like treating the whole yard again. You know, there's behavior somewhere in. But see, unforgiveness to us is, is like that behavior grass. And if you've ever seen a behavior seed, it's tiny, tiny, tiny. But it only takes one little head to jump up and not be dealt with, and it's everywhere. Watch it in your young people. You ever seen it? I've done this before. Driving a, driving a group of young people in a van, say there's seven or eight teenagers in the van. When we get in the van, they are besties. Now, they don't talk because they text each other right beside each other. But then you can tell like over an hour to ride or so, the, the thumb typing gets a little more vigorous and a little angry. 
somewhere in, in the ride in this group of eight who are all buddy buddies, somebody has introduced some angst, some unforgiveness, some anger, and next thing you know, you've got warring factions of text messages going back and forth. It's the same thing. That bitter root just creeps in, and, and one minute they're besties, and the next minute they're mortal enemies because you hurt so-and-so, and maybe they adopted it, they took on the offense, or maybe they were the one offended, and then they start spreading it around, and, and it pops up in, everywhere. So what I want to do this morning is real quick, I want to give you some practical things because you asked for it. Remember, y'all mark this. God's obviously wanting us to deal with some things, and maybe this will bring some healing to your life, but I want to give you some things that you can do today, some practical things. That's not fantasy, that's Bible, that's truth. But you need to understand this. It's going to take this. You're going to have to make some choices. Because God's already made his choice. And he's not going to make you. The Bible doesn't teach us that God whacks us on the head to force us into submission, to choose to forgive. That's not how he works. But it does tell us that he, get, he forgave us long before we appreciated what he had done for us. Look what the Bible says in James chapter 3. It says, but the wisdom of God is first of all pure, also peace, loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers, and this is, I want you to say this with me, these next three words, those who are peacemakers will plant seeds. Now, I know we have some farmers in the room, people who farm, and you're watching online, and we got a lot of farmers. And you go buy whatever they're farming. And their, their corn, their beans, their cotton, are all, no matter how big the field is, are in nice, straight what? Rows, lines. Did that happen by accident? Did one day they just walk out and go, yeah, we need to plant some corn? good, and then walk away. No. They had to make a choice. To what? To plant. They had to make a choice to go buy the kind of corn they want to get, to find the planter. How many rows wide? How big is this thing? Am I just planting it one row by myself? Like if you looked at the corn I planted this year, it looked like a drunken sailor going down through there. Or some of you guys, you post pictures of your, your garden, and it's just row after row of perfectly straight nine-foot-tall stalks of corn, right? They had to make a decision. Well, forgiveness is the same way. Forgiveness always starts with a choice. Here's what it doesn't start with, and I wish it did. I wish my personality, I wish forgiveness always started with an apology so that whoever I was mad at, before I had to forgive them, they would have to walk up to me and go, Clint, I, I hurt your feelings, or I did you wrong, or I'm, I owed you money, or whatever it is. I'm sorry. Oh, okay, well, good. Now, well, then I apologize. Your apology is now accepted, and I forgive you. But it doesn't. That forgiveness always starts with a choice. You have to decide. I was talking about this this week with a, a friend of mine in the office. It's one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn but for the last 13, 14 years, I've had to live by this next statement. That choices lead, feelings follow.
choices lead. Choices lead and feelings follow. In other words, forgiveness, I have to choose. My body, my, my flesh is going to be going nuts. I don't want to forgive this person. I hate this person. I would rather punch them in the nose than forgive them. Your feelings will lie to you. It's even true in another topic, a side note, in our money. Your, your choices lead your money. But some of us don't live that way. We live where our feelings lead our money. And that's why we end up with things we can't afford and can't pay the note on. Because my feelings say to me, I really want. And then my choice is okay, because I base my choice on that feeling. That's why we end up with things we can't, we can't afford. We end up with more. Why? Because you made a, an emotional decision and your choice was following that emotion. Well, if you've been alive long enough, and for those of you who are over the age of, we'll just say 20, will your emotions lie to you? Let me help you out. Yes. You remember being a 16, 17, 18-year-old, 15-year-old? The boy or girl? Back in the day, it was like they'd write you a note and slip it in your locker. Now you just get the text message of some hateful, you know, something hateful on the text message. But you get the message and they tell you, I hate you, you're ugly, you're fat, you're whatever, you're not cool, whatever the current terminology is. And they just... They slam you. What do you feel? You feel like the world's coming to an end, right? You ever had to explain to like a 14, 15-year-old that girl or boy who broke up with you was not your forever person? That I just know, Dad, I just, God, Mom, I just, I just know they, that was my forever person. That was my forever. No, they weren't. They were your 15-minute person that just, you know, that's the, a lot of us make, we laugh at them, but we make same decisions based on our feelings. And it's going to take us making choices and understanding that forgiveness is always going to start with a choice because your feelings will lie to you. The devil tries to keep you following your feelings. And let me just tell you this in the most loving, kind, smiling face that I can. If you follow your feelings, you're going to have a rough road. The devil's going to beat you over the head with it continually, trying to get you to follow your feelings instead of making a choice to choose forgiveness and then let your feelings, let God bring the rest of your life in line. So choices lead, feelings follow. So let me give you, if we've got to make choices, in the next five minutes, six minutes, I'm going to give you three, three choices, three things that you, you have to do. And the first one is, you have to receive forgiveness. And when I say this, people look at me like, well, I can receive forgiveness. I know God forgave me. Do you? Because there are a lot of us that think, well, okay, God, you saved me, but I don't know about this forgiveness thing because, God, I remember telling you blankety, blankety, blank, and God, I remember all the bad things I've done, and can you really forgive that? That whatever you can name, and the, the answer is yes, he can. That even I, you, you know, it's no different for me. 
There was a time in my life where I walked right out front there. I've told some guys this the other day and stood out in the parking lot on the second parking spot out there. And I just had enough. I had not been taking my own advice. I had things I, some, I needed to forgive people and things like, and I just, I'd had enough. And I went out and told God, if you don't fix this, I'm going to go do something else. Like I could threaten God. And I just had to remember, he's forgiven me of that. And there are times where I have to go back and remind myself, because it's important that I know that, because you can't give what you, you can't give away what you haven't received. And maybe that's what you're dealing with. It's hard for you to forgive other people because you hadn't settled it in your heart that the Bible's true and that he actually forgives you. Acts chapter 26 says this, Open their eyes so they may turn from the darkness to the light, from Satan's mess, and turn to God. And then it says, then. So it's a causal effect. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and given a place among God's people. See, it's, it's, it's imperative that you receive this, that you receive forgiveness because you can't give away what you don't have. That for their sins, they're given a place among God's people. You receive it and something comes with it. And when something comes with it, then you have something to give because I think a lot of times we forget with people that the old, and it's become a, an old adage, this old saying, but it's still the Bible. That less for the grace of God, there go I that the person you're angry at, the person you're hounding on, the person you're hating, the only difference between you and them is the grace that, that God's put on your life. And we need to extend to them that same grace. The second choice, this one's hard, I will admit, that freely give forgiveness. The Bible says a couple times, freely given to you, you should freely give it away. You've received it, for free, it didn't cost you nothing. Well, why do I have to give them something? They should pay for it. Well, no, that's a dangerous thing to say. They should pay for their, their sin against me. They should pay for what they, they've done to me. And this goes against everything the world teaches. It's owed to me. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians. Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. If we really believe that Christ died for all, then the person you're hating is the very person that Jesus died for. The very thing that's on the same boat as you. Matthew says this, and this is the verse I was referring to, Matthew 10, 8, that give as freely as you have received. You can't add on to somebody else. It's one of the things, if you've been here before, you've heard me say this, that really gets me going and gets me angry is to hear other pastors or other churches or other Christians add stuff to the gospel. Saying, well, before you can receive Jesus and really fully be saved, you have to do this, 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 and this. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that you have to repent and then believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus did and has done what he said he would do. And if you add anything else to it, the Bible actually refers to that as, that's blasphemous. 
And we don't do that. We tell people, and the world says it should cost them something. Well, it, it, it was paid for, but they didn't pay the price no more than you paid the price. That the Bible says Jesus paid the cost. That he looked down through history and through time coming, the future, I believe he did on the cross. And he, he looked and, and he saw Todd and said, I'm going to do it for Todd. Because Todd doesn't know this yet, but he's really going to need me. Yet we hold this, we, we want to give forgiveness with these terms. And God's, God's forgiveness for us didn't come with terms. It was freely given to us. You can't, you can't earn it. I have this discussion with my, with my girls regularly. When they'll tell me, we make a decision, it's not what they want to know. Ushers, you guys can do your thing, y'all can come. But parents, you ever had the, had the child say to you, it's not fair. They never say it fair. They always fair. It's never it's not fair, daddy. It's not fair. Right? And I will I, I and I've told some of your kids this. And we'll have a discussion. They say, "But it's not fair." And this will be my answer. You don't want to play the fair card. In our in our game of life and I got this card that says fair. I should be able to slam it down on the table. Fair. It's got to be fair. No, no, it doesn't. Because if you lay fair down, God's going to say like, hey, you want to talk about fair? I put all your mess on my son and he died for you. I don't think that was fair. But I did it anyway. I did it because I loved you. I did it because of our third choice that you need to make. You got to go first. In the forgiveness game, you got to go first. Why? Because that's the example that God gave us. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. That God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die. When? After we forgave him? I mean, wouldn't that make more sense to you as God the Father? Listen, I'll send my son. He's going to pay the price for your sins so you can spend eternity with me. But first, you got to say, I'm sorry. You got to apologize. So God's waiting in heaven for all of us to go, I'm sorry. He didn't do that. He said, while you're still doing whatever it is that's hurting, whatever it is that's disrespectful, whatever it is that you're trying to undermine people, while we're still doing that, God says, I'm going to go ahead and forgive you. And I'm going to do it so much so that I'm going to send my son to die for you. That God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die. Jesus never asked anything of you when you first met him and you should never force anybody to meet a mark before you go. So if you'll receive it, if you'll receive it, if you'll do it freely and if you'll go first, your life will change today. I don't know who this was for. I even thought through my own life this week because some still struggle with, uh, with forgiveness and unforgiveness because you've never received it. Some of us are going around in circles in this fantasy land. It's owed to me and he's made me right and then I can forgive you. Some of us may need to, today, it's what I said from the beginning, make, make some tough choices that you make a choice when your feelings are telling you, uh-uh, no way, you don't know 
Clint, you don't know what that, that God did to me. No, I don't. Clint, you don't know how terrible it was. No, I don't, and I'm sure it was terrible. But your recovery, your healing, God putting things back in order for you doesn't start with an apology. It starts with you forgiving. It starts with you going first. Pretending that that we can just fake it, it's not gonna work. So if you will, if you'll bow your head and close your eyes, I'm gonna dismiss you in just a second. I'm not asking anybody to raise your hand. I really don't even want you to look up. I want you to just take a second between you and God. And there are some of you who need to make a decision right now. God, I would rather punch this person in the nose. I would rather cut their brake lines. You've thought of all kinds of things to get them. But right now, you need to go, God, I, I forgive. Right where you are. God, I forgive. And then to yourself, you need to say their name. And your mind is going to say, uh-uh, no way, uh-uh. And you may just need to keep doing it because you're making a choice. And after you make a choice, your feelings, your emotions will begin to come in line with the choices you made. Some of you can need to start, you think, well, I've never received forgiveness. I don't know Jesus. I didn't know he forgave me. Yes, he did. So much so that he paid the price. Some of you may need to pray this with me today and say, God, I received Jesus. I repent and I receive his forgiveness that he gave me before I ever knew who he was. That he came, he died for me, he sits with you in heaven, God, he made a way. And when you pray something that simple, the Bible says that salvation is yours. You may need today to, after, after we're done, over to my right, your left, we always have somebody over here. I think Gary and Linda are over there today. And they would love just to hold your hands and, and pray with you. You can tell them as much or as little as you want. But where I'm going to close today, we're going to sing this song that I speak the name of Jesus. I speak the one who forgives me. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to stand real quick. Stand to your feet. And I'm going, to, I'm going to pray. And my prayer this morning is for all of you in the room, maybe you're watching online, that God within your heart is going to begin to, to put people on your heart that you need to forgive and that we begin to walk out of here because it's number one for a reason. And I'm praying next year it's not even going to be on the list because God's grown us up. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you in Jesus' name. God, that whatever's going on in our hearts and our minds, whether it's coming down from our fathers and mothers down to kids, God, whatever's going on, God, that you would expose to us, point out, put your finger on the unforgiveness that you would bring to our attention those people, God, we need to let that go. And God, that today, I thank you, we make a choice for forgiveness. We make a choice to let that go and to let you heal our emotions. That it's not between us and them. God, it's between us and you. Why? Because you forgave us, God. And I thank you for that now. Unforgiveness be gone in Jesus' name. Life and healing come and fill our lives. And God, we thank you for it now. That you have your way. Life in Jesus' name. And everybody said.